1: listen to the radio you always listen to the radio it's
2: different our lives are ruined already the whistler
0: <whistles> The tape will self-destruct in five seconds
3: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to Fibber McGee and Molly, and then I'll free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure on escape. And by my side is my co-host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? My Where sidekick. Where
4: else would I be other my than by your side? My
3: Tonto, my Cato, my uh, jingles. <laughs> <laughs> my, Let me try to think. Uh,
4: Your better half.
3: Let me see here. My uh, trigger. No, not trigger. Um, my sidekick.
4: Well, I'll take it. How many
3: sidekicks? There was... Uh, well... Have Gun, Will Travel. Paladin had, sort of had a sidekick. His name was Hayboy. Can I call you, know you that or no?
4: I don't hey Boy?
3: sounds Probably politically not. correct. Probably not good. What's oh. happening uh, in the stargazing world?
4: Well, this is exciting. Now, for the technological people, so I'm going to keep Forget you out me. of this category. Right. Oh, should I
3: just turn my mic and headphones yeah, off? Yeah, and
4: you could just leave the room. The Simpsons are going to feature a live segment with Homer. Okay? Uh-huh. So on the May 15th episode, we will feature Homer Simpson, Taking questions during yeah. a live portion of the episode. And it will feature Homer, who is voiced by
3: Um, I know, but I can't remember right now
4: dan Castellaneta oh, yeah okay yeah. and he will discuss topical subjects yeah respond to questions for the final three minutes of the regularly scheduled episode so fox are going to urge their fans to tweet their questions this is where you can walk out of the room now and yeah. you go hashtag tweet. homer live that's
3: something to do with a bird right
4: yes that's exactly right hashtag okay. homer live between may 1st
3: hashtag what
4: <laughs> homer live
3: hashtag what's that
4: that's the I've heard it's of like the pound
3: symbol, it's like pound on the phone. You know? Hashtag oh. okay. Homer Live. All right, between
4: May first and May fourth, and this is the first time that I thought this we, has we were having
3: a, a hash and eggs, and <laughs> and so <laughs>
4: and so you can, can talk actually to interact Homer? with Homer. Really? And he's you know, which is cool because he's really an animated figure. Yeah, right. he's you know he's but a real he won't you character. won't see
3: him. You'll just be hearing. No, him. you
4: actually will see him. They've got wow. some animated wow. technique to make That's him crazy. look like he's talking.
3: Yeah, very cool.
4: I don't know how they do it, but it sounds very. exciting.
3: This? You're not listening. This is the on. May
4: 15th episode.
3: Fantastic. Stay tuned. Thanks, Lisa. All right, let's get back to Fibber, McGee, and Molly. We listened to the first portion in our last hour. Let's uh, go back to November 28th, 1939. Dodging the Finance Company. Here's part two the conclusion of Fibber, McGee, and Molly.
1: Say, how long are we going to have to stay locked up in here, McGee? Uh-huh. I feel like a bird in a gilded coop. Search
5: me
6: till I get, to get down and make them payments down to the finance company, I guess. Uh-oh, now he's at the window. I'm getting so afraid, of... afraid to even turn on a faucet in this house, I'm scared he'll come running out of the pipe.
1: Oh, that isn't the man from the finance company, dearie. That's Mr. Boomer.
6: What's he doing at the window?
1: What's the idea, Mr. Boomer?
7: Quiet, my dear, quiet. Huh? Just dropped by to tell you there's a finance company, Flatfoot, haunting the premises. <laughs>
6: well, much obliged, Boomer, but we knew it.
7: Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, just thought I'd warn you, Fudge Face. Anybody that's an enemy of a bill collector is a friend of mine. <laughs> what seems to be your difficulty?
1: Oh, we slipped up on our car payments, Mr. Boomer, and they're trying to serve us some kind of a paper. Is
7: that so? Very distressing, I'm sure. If you want the address of a good lawyer, I can recommend mine. Has very cool head. Probably because he's a little on the shady side. <laughs> yes. Well, it
1: might come in handy at that, dearie. Who is your lawyer, Mr.
7: Boomer? Ah, uh, a chap by the name of, uh... Now, let me see. Uh, I have his name and address right here in my notebook. Now, where I put that notebook. Notebook, notebook, notebook. Oh, sure. Let's see now. Uh, here's a letter from my sister, Sophronia, Energetic, little rascal. Says she's got her Christmas shoplifting all finished. <laughs> Small a settling torch. Sort of a financial can opener, you might say. <laughs> yes, you might say it. I'm sorry I did. Yes, indeed. Large, unset diamond. Belonged to a girlfriend of mine. She ran out and left me holding the baguette. <laughs> Postcard from a friend of mine who had to leave the state for his health. Poor lad. He was so weak, he couldn't even waive his extradition. And a check for a short beer. Well, well, imagine that. No notebook. Wonder what I could have done with it. Well, no matter. I'll see him at the police station tomorrow morning.
6: You got a case coming up in the morning, Boomer?
7: I don't know. Depends on what luck I have tonight. Well, good day, my dear. Good day, flytrap. Good (laughs) day, flytrap.
1: Why should we barricade ourselves in here? We're not criminals. Let him attach our old car. What do we care? What? Take that
6: car after I spent five Sunday afternoons putting in new piston rings? No, sir. I don't... Uh-oh. Oh,
1: look, dearie. He's slipping the paper under the door.
6: Oh, he is, is he? <laughs> Can't catch me that easy. I'll shove it right back at him. <laughs> now, peek out and see what he's doing now, Molly.
1: He's putting the paper back in his pocket. Which pocket? Now he's scratching his head. He's
6: scratching his head.
1: Now he's shrugging his shoulders. His shoulders. He doesn't seem to understand it. Hmm.
6: Of course he don't understand it. Probably the first time he's run up against a guy that knows his rights.
1: Well, legal rights or no legal rights, McGee, I've had enough of this. Huh? You can come with me or not, but I'm going to make a break for what it. What do you mean? I'm going to drive down to the finance company and tell him all about it. Oh, now, Molly, you Are can Are you coming with me or not?
5: Well,
6: all right. Come on. But the minute we get outside the back door, run for the garage. Hope that guy don't suspect we run out the back door. Oh, oh. So, uh, <laughs> Out of the way there, little girl.
8: Hi, mister. Gee, I've been waiting for you, I betcha. Well,
6: that's very flattering, I'm sure, but I ain't got time right now for any... Oh, knock.
8: gee. I wanted to ask you a question, I betcha.
6: I'm sorry. Some other time, sis. Besides, why pick on me?
8: Well, everybody says you're a great guy oh. and wise, too.
6: <laughs> oh, they did, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, who said that, sis?
8: Oh, gee, everybody. Oh, well,
6: that's that
8: so? They all say you're the greatest wise guy in town. <laughs> Are you, mister? Are you?
6: Listen, sis, for the last time, run along and play and don't bother me anymore.
8: Oh, I bet you you couldn't answer the question anyway, I bet
6: you. Oh, yes, I could.
8: Oh, no, you couldn't.
6: Oh, yes, I could.
8: Oh,
1: no, you couldn't.
6: Oh, yes, I... Heavenly
1: days, McGee. Come on, we'll get caught.
6: Wait a minute, Molly. I want to settle this. What was the question, sis?
1: Well, what does pretext mean, hmm?
8: Pretext? Well,
6: that Mm -hmm. means when you're pretending to do something, you ain't. It's it's pretending. Oh, that may not be Webster's definition, but it'll do.
8: Oh, who's Webster?
6: (laughs) He's the guy that wrote the dictionary.
8: Gee, did he make up all those words?
6: (laughs) No, he didn't. Who did? <clears throat> Nobody. Everybody. Dad Rabbit, how should I know?
8: Hmm?
6: Say, what is this? Anyway, where'd you hear that word pretext?
8: From my daddy. I'm holding you under any.
6: You're holding me under any? Any what?
8: Any pretext. That's <laughs> what he told me to do. Oh, there's my daddy
6: now. Oh, boy, that guy from the finance company.
8: Hey, daddy, I did it. I held him under any pretext.
6: Oh, good for you, dear. Heavenly day. Well, I'll be a... It was a frame-up, that's what it was.
8: No, it wasn't, I bet you. I got a quarter for it. So long, mister.
7: Oh, <laughs> well, uh, now you, Mr. McGee... Yes, I suppose so. I'm Mr. Perkins from the Wistful Vista Finance Company. I've been trying to get in touch with you all day.
1: Oh, no. Really?
7: Oh, okay, bud. Okay,
6: bud, you got me. Let's get it over with.
7: Mr. McGee, my father was credit manager of this finance company when you bought your car. Of course, that was before my time.
6: (laughs) Never mind the sentiment, bud. Just get to the point.
7: Well, as I was saying, since then, a new generation has taken over. I have my father's old job, and in checking through the records I find. Yes,
1: yes, we know. You find that we're three months in arrears, so you're taking the car. Well, go ahead and take
7: it. Oh, no, no, I have a check here for you. I tried to slip it under your door, but some darn fool shoved it right back. <laughs> a check? What for? Mr. McGee, you finished paying for your car seven months ago. What? Yes, this check is a refund.
0: Why
6: well, you mean you mean the car is all paid for? We got money coming back? The car is all clear? Absolutely. Hot dog. Did you hear that, Molly? Yes. Ain't that wonderful? Now we now we can borrow some more money on it. Folks, you've just heard our 225th broadcast for Johnson's Wax, and on this occasion we would like to pay tribute to. Uh, uh... Hey, Molly, who can we pay tribute to? Why,
1: uh, I don't know, McGee.
6: You don't? Well, uh... <laughs> well, well. Imagine that. No tribute. <laughs> Good night.
1: Good night, all. <laughs>
7: This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and
9: Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to join us again next Tuesday night at this
7: same time. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
3: And that's Fibber, McGee, and Molly going back to November 28, 1939, Dodging the Finance Company, starring Jim and Marion Jordan, and in the cast, Hal Perry as Throckmorton, P. Gildersleeve, also Bill Thompson, Isabel Randolph, and Frank Nelson. Harlow Wilcox... There's a name you don't hear much. Uh, People don't name their babies Harlow anymore.
4: No, but they should. You
3: know, maybe we can have a... uh... Have
4: a baby? No,
3: no, I don't want... (laughs) I don't think Dan would like that very much, you know, if you had another baby.
4: I would have another baby.
3: You would? Yeah. No, sponsored by Johnson's Wax. And you'd name him Harlow? Yeah,
4: sure. That's heard
3: on NBC.
0: Just,
4: Just like Harlow Wilcox.
3: All right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
3: Welcome back. This is Hollywood 360. I'm Carl Amari, my co-host Lisa Wolf, no E at the end of her name. And if you want to look at pictures of Lisa, there's millions of them at two websites, her own website, which is lisawolf.com or hollywood360radio.com. And when you go there, there's all kinds of stuff. There's a store. There's our affiliate list. There's uh, There's our
4: schedule, yeah. which is most important. There's too.
3: all kinds of stuff. And uh, check it out, Hollywood360radio.com. All right, Lisa, it's time for one of the best radio drama series, in my opinion, called Escape. And it premiered in 1947 and was one of radio's best anthology series, promising and delivering stories of high-quality mystery, drama, and intrigue. Escape offered listeners just that, an escape from life's everyday grind, freeing you from the four walls of today for a half-hour of high adventure. And like its first cousin, suspense, escape stories involved protagonists in life-or-death situations and featured radio's finest writers, directors, producers, and actors, and enjoyed an eight-year run bowing out in 1954. I have a terrific episode for you now called John Jock Todd. It stars Wilms Herbert, and it's from May 2nd, 1948. Here's part one now of Escape. Escape!
9: You are groping in the dark of the African jungle night, trapped on a wharf above a crocodile-infested river fighting for your life against a ruthless giant from whom you must escape.
0: Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to the dank jungles of the Seguanga Valley in Africa,
9: into the heart of a courageous man, as Robert Simpson told it in his story, John Jock Todd. No doubt you may presume my Scotch ancestry from a wee bit of the old speech that still clings to my voice. Though it's been some years now since I last walked in the heather of the hills of Abergourie, my name is John Todd, the same as my father's. Though to be sure, he's more often called Jock Todd, Jock being the fighter's equivalent to John, and a name which in no wise applies to me. I am a peace-loving man, not a fighter, and no man can deny it, even today. However, in other respects, I was a raw lad for certain when I sailed out from Glasgow and came here to this heathen land of Africa, and that's a thing which cannot be said of me at present. If a man lives at all in this steaming hot jungle of the Niger River, then he must learn very quickly, and most especially so if he lands at that dirty little trading post on Segwanga Creek.
2: side by. landing coming up. Sir, there you are, Mr. Dodd. Sigwango landing. And you can have it as far as I am, consultant.
9: Well, I might say the parlor company had somewhat more elaborate
2: offices in Glasgow, Mr. Simpson. Hey, hey no doubt about that. And how long did you sign up for? Four years. Four years. Lucky for them they catch you fellas in Glasgow before they ever seen the place. Oh, can't be so bad? Those are fair-looking buildings there on the bank. Fair-looking buildings? Hey, what's that help? He's in it. You want to tear up the wharf? I don't suppose you've heard anything about Brock. Well, they told me I should report to the agent
9: in charge here, a man named Captain Brock.
2: Captain Brock. Every agent in this stinking jungle calls himself the captain. That's him there in the wharf. Easy, boy. Get a line ready now. All right. Cut the motor. He's a fair-sized man for certain. He's big enough, all right, in some ways. So is a gorilla. Watch out for him. Can I say I understand you? Uh, you will, Mr. Todd, if you live long enough. Up there, topside, throw the line, boy. Yes, sir. We've
7: caught
2: uh, That little fellow with him is named Ganson. You get nothing to fear from him till after Box made a move. He's a sneaking little jackal, but he never makes his own kill. I still can't understand what you're talking about, Mr. Simpson. You'll find out soon enough. Couldn't help you know know now no to go ahead of time. I dock here once a week on the River Run. But you're still on your own. You'd better know it right now. Mr. Simpson, you'll have to explain. play okay, up
10: now, Mr. Simpson. All same, plenty fast.
2: All right, boy. Come on, Mr. Todd. You may as well meet your new boss. <laughs> oh, man. Look what the young office sent out to us this time. Shut <laughs> up, Gunson. Well, Simpson, you are half a day late. When I start running my boat on a schedule, I'll send you a copy of it, Brock. Mm, if there was another boat on this river, I could ship my stuff on you know what I would do then, don't you? No, you wouldn't, Brock. Not as long as you know I carry a gun.
5: Man. <laughs> hey,
9: you there. You the new junior assistant. That's right, sir. My name is John Todd, and I assume your I'll of... take the time to find out your name later. And I do
11: not give two cents for what you assume.
5: <laughs> That's telling the boss, I get...
11: did not I tell you to shut up? Yes, sir. And get out. Clear those natives of the wharf. All right, you Captain.
12: All right, move along now, you're ready, pegasus Come on, move now. You there. Oh, gee, just step to Get along. Get out. I have some brandy
2: up at the bungalow, Simpson, if you would like a drink while the boys are loading. Uh, I just had a drink on board. eh uh,
11: you there, whatever your name is. It's John Todd, sir. Ah, oh, so it is John
9: Todd, is it? And I suppose you call yourself Jock, like the rest of your blasted countrymen. No, sir. Jock is the name for a fighting man, such as my father. Can to say it fits me? Mm. So you are not a fighting man, eh? <laughs> it makes things a lot easier, don't it, <laughs> Brock?
11: As soon as your boat is loaded, you can bring the lading bills up to the office. Well, Todd, are you going to stand here on the wharf the rest of the day? No, sir, but I thought you'd be one You, thought? You are not paid to think. Get your stuff up to the bungalow and be quick about it.
2: Whatever you say, Captain Brock. Four years of it, Mr. Touch. Welcome to Seguanga.
9: I didn't understand it at all. The reason for Captain Brock having acted in such a strange way. I'd never met the man, nor could I think that he'd ever heard of me before. And I couldn't be certain of the extent of the man's authority here in the jungle... The home office in Glasgow having been a wee bit unclear about the matter. They had said only that the agent was very much like the captain aboard a ship, and that he carried full responsibility in his own two hands. But about the attitude of Captain Brock himself, I very soon had few doubts left in my head. I didn't see the man again the afternoon I arrived, but a houseboy came and wakened me in the middle of the night. And said the captain wished to see me in the main room of the bungalow. Immediately. Captain Brock, the boy said you'd sent for me, sir. You do not have to tell me that. It took you long enough to get here, too. It took no more time than to pull on a pair of pants. Uh So it makes you argumentative to wake you up in the middle of the night. I was not intending to be so. I am not interested in your intentions, Mr. Tart. You will learn to keep a civil tongue in your head. Well, I was not mean. Shut up! That's better. Hmm. And I suppose you're wondering why I had you waked up like this in the middle of the night. I presume you had a reason. Oh, you presume, do you? Oh, yes. And what do you presume the reason is? I'm afraid I couldn't say. Then I will tell you. I sent for you, Mr. Todd, simply to show you I can have you waked up any time I please to. You had no other reason than that. None at all, Mr. Todd. A fighting man might resent it, but then you are not one, are you? Too bad. If that's all you've got to say to me, then I'll go back to my bed. That is all. Now get out of my office. Just as you say, Captain Brock. (laughs) (laughs) The attitude of the man didn't change none of the next few weeks. And I couldn't find in my head any reason for his hatred. And it was hatred. It was in his eyes every time he spoke to me. I took care of my duties and stayed clear of them, otherwise. And for the most part, we came to no head-on clash. That, with the two exceptions, however.
5: The first one happened
9: about a week after I arrived. I was supervising a group of natives at the time, working on the breakwater at the end of the wharf.
11: Mr. Todd, what the devil are those boys supposed to be doing? They're repairing the breakwater. I can see that without being told. Now, where did you get the authority to buy the timber? Why, you ordered it last week
9: yourself from Chiefy Uh Laurie. Maybe I told you to accept delivery without having me look at it first. Well, you told me to receive it when it came in, and that's what I did. It's good timber. I checked it myself. Ah, How would you know if it is good timber? Uh, My father happens to be a forester back in (laughs) Scotland. The devil take you and your father both. I'd advise you never to say that in my father's hearing. Are you threatening me? No, ma'am, nothing like that. But I'm sort of suggesting it isn't always wise to insult a man you've never seen. Ah, uh, I see. <laughs> now that I come to think of it, he is the one that is a fighter, isn't he? That's correct. Mm, the one they call Jack Todd, huh? <laughs> well,
11: it is too bad he is not around here. Mr. John Todd. Boy! You there. Throw that piece of timber you're using. Any fool could see it is too short. Up I said throw it out. I will teach you to argue. Get back on your feet. I said get... Get on your feet before I kick your head off.
3: And that's the first portion of Escape from May 2nd, 1948 with John Jock Todd starring Wilms Herbert. We'll get back to that in just a few moments. Let's take a break here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back to Hollywood 360. It's time now for the conclusion to John Jock Todd starring Wilms Herbert on Escape.
9: I'd seen him knock Ganson down the same way and then kick him like he did the natives. And Ganson took it. And saved these curses until Brock was not around. I wondered what I might do if he ever tried it on me. And the next week, I saw that he would try it, sooner or later. Chief jawana and his boys had come in from back country with a dozen canoes full of palm nuts. And I was out in the warehouse checking in the load. We used a big wicker basket for measuring, called a cooler, for some reason or other, and the one of us boys would fill this, and then we'd dump it on the pile at the end of the building. Ganson was in the loading, and I'd check off each cooler in the tally book as it was dumped. It was late in the afternoon when we finally finished.
12: All right, all right. Step loudly now, ye, then you. ye. Right, no more to trouble about after this one. All right, Todd, is
9: the last one. You got it marked, have you? Bye, Ganson.
12: All right, now, you runny beggars. Let's take it back and dump it. Come on, put your backs to it now. Eve, uh, Eve, here now. Tip her up. Let's go. Yep, that's it. Come on, shake him out. Shake him out every one of them. Come on, shake him out. Uh, now, that
5: does
9: it. All right. How many coolers did we have, Todd? Eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. How many 14, you count? How many cooler you get? Oh, same me, maybe. Seventeen, eight, uh, nineteen, to one, huh?
11: Nineteen. Me count all same. Twenty.
10: Well, luck is not you miss one, Todd. Give me twenty.
9: I didn't miss one, Mr. Ganson. The tally is nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Turn along.
5: Oh, you you know, pay you me know, twenty. You make what trouble.
9: Sorry, D'Avana, The count stands at nineteen.
11: Don't
10: be a crazy fool, Todd. Give it to him. What's one cooler, more or less?
11: Me tell Captain Brock. He fixed good. That will not be necessary, Wanna. What is the trouble here, Todd? Haven't
9: you got sense enough
11: to take in a few palm nuts without getting your feet twisted?
9: I'm afraid to have nothing to do with it, Captain Brock. He claims 20 coolers, and I counted 19. Then you missed one. Give him 20. can I do that, sir? You what? i going to sign my name to help cheat the company.
10: Go oh, blimey, if it ain't down right, Shut, Shut up,
9: Ganson. Mr. Todd. Out here,
11: I am the company. Now write out that credit check. Whatever you say, Captain Brock. <laughs> it's taking your orders like a good chap,
10: Mr. Todd. I thought you I Johnson Afghanistan.
9: Well, have you got it written, Mr. Todd? There you are, Captain Brock. Well, it is lucky you decided Mr. Todd. You have made this out for 19. Which is according to my count. Why, you blustered little rat. I'll advise you to stop and think before you move. <laughs> well, now, you wouldn't be picking up that shovel with any hostile intent, would you? No, ma'am. No more than you'd be advancing toward me with a hostile intent. <laughs> Like that, eh? I am mm. tearing
11: up this check. I will give you one myself for 20. You always come to me. I will make it right with you. Yes, Captain. All same like you say. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Todd, I will make it right
9: with you, too. You can depend on that. Fox stayed clear of me for a few weeks, and outside of the job of work I was hired to do, I had no words with him. I recalled Mr. Simpson saying to watch out for him. And I was fair certain he was only waiting for the chance to make his move. He outweighed me by 50 pounds, and I knew beyond doubt that I couldn't stand up to him. But what really worried me was not knowing of any reason for the man's attitude. It made no sense that a man should go looking for a fight without no reason at all. At any rate, the weeks passed, the jungle steamed, and the muddy river rolled past the wharf, and then one day it happened. Sunday was my one free day in the week, so I'd hired a canoe and paddled upstream for a visit with a fellow countryman at another trading post some few miles away. It was just getting dark when I came back to the wharf, and when I got in close, I saw Brock standing there. Smoking and leaning on a piling at the far side. The watch boy squatted near the edge, waiting to take the line from my canoe. He caught it and pulled the boat in and made it fast. And I climbed out onto the wharf.
7: You have a good trip, Mr. Todd?
9: Not so bad. A bit hot, that was all. Uh, you, savvy which place canoe man live? Yes, sir. Live on breakwater side. Then uh, go tell him. Come get canoe. Tell him two days pass. I give him check for pay.
7: Oh, yes, sir. May go now. Tell man plenty soon.
11: Boy! Huh? You there. Yes, sir, Captain Brock. Did I give you permission to leave the war?
7: No, sir. But Master tell Did said... I
11: tell you you could leave? No, no sir. All right. Then go <laughs> get the head man. Tell him I want him here right away. And you come back with him.
5: But... Move, boy. Yes, sir.
9: All right, Todd. Get up to your quarters. I think I'll be staying right here, Captain Brock. If you're planning to tie that boy to a post and flog him, as I've no doubt you've decided to do, then you'll be having a word with me first. Oh, me. Genson, is that you? All right, Joe, Captain. I heard what he said. If it's a witness you want sir, to... I will tell you when I want anything. All right, Captain.
11: No, I'll mention it.
9: Take Mr. Todd up to his room and keep him there. I will attend to him later. If either of you lay a hand on me, it'll be a most unfortunate day in your lives. Oh, you don't say so, Mr. Todd. Mr. John Todd. I have told you what you may expect. Uh, So you have. I am not to lay a hand on you. Not even like
5: this. <laughs> oh, do my
12: proper, Captain. Hit him again. <laughs> now,
11: Mr. Todd, get up.
9: I felt his foot smashing to my side. I tried to get up onto my knees, and I couldn't. I told you to get up. <laughs> uh, again. I knew it wouldn't take many to finish me off. My head hung over the side of the wall. I
12: made one effort and rolled off into the water. Hey, he's going into the water, Captain. Maybe he can't
11: swim. That is his hard luck.
12: But suppose he drowns her? The resident commissioner will be down almost for certain. I
11: don't want no trouble with him. Shut up, Yes, sir. He can't swim, all right. There he is now, climbing out on the bank. Allow me if he ain't. What's the matter, Mr. Todd? You are not leaving us, are you? You have not changed your mind about having a word with me, have you? Mr. John Todd? <laughs>
9: Back in my own quarters, I changed into dry clothes, hurrying as fast as I could. I couldn't have find it in my heart to be angry with a man. He had struck me without warning and kicked me while I was down, and he was planning out to flog a native boy without the lad having committed a fault. It was not a thing to become angry about. Captain Brock had to be punished, that was all. And though it would mean my own life most likely, it had to be done. It was no more than a matter of simple justice. Within five minutes, I was back at the floor. The watchboy had come back with the headman, and a group of natives had gathered around the circle of light thrown out by a hurricane lantern. They didn't see me at first.
11: All right, Gunson. Pull his hands up over his head and tie them there. Stretch him out, <laughs> Right there, Captain.
9: The watchboy stood there trembling with fear while Gunson bound his hands to the heavy post.
11: Hurry up, you clumsy fool, and make it tight. I want you to hang there after I'm through with him. Oh, he'll do that all right.
2: <laughs> Captain, Is Todd.
11: Well, Mr. Todd, you are just in
9: time to see the boy get what is coming to him. Rock, I told you before, you'll not be doing this without having a word with me. I was under the impression that you had already had your word, Mr. Todd. You've been laying into me ever since I came here, for reasons of your own, whatever they might be. <laughs> and what do you plan to do about it, Mr. Todd? You may be somewhat within your rights in that respect, but you're not so when you hit a man without warning and kick him while he's lying on the ground. Go on, Captain. Give him what for. Go I on. take it then, Mr. Todd, you have objections to hitting a man without warning. Perhaps it is a thing your father would not think of doing. No objections, Mr. Brock. Now that I know you do it. For it's a thing that one can do as well as the, the
10: other. other. me you, Captain.
9: I don't mind now that I know it. I coughed him along one side
12: of the head and then again in the other. And while he rocked back from the blows, I clutched my hands around his thick neck <laughs> and slacked my fingers into his throat. Stop him, Captain! Boy, tears out your bloody throat, stop! Cursed and struggled and twisted, but I held on and kept choking him. tensioning my hands tighter and tighter. He struck at me and I let go with one hand and cuffed him again. And the fight of the head.
9: Blasted
12: oh, that was some of mistake on my part. For the oh. blow enraged him, so he tore himself loose and smashed his fist into my face. <laughs> you got him now, Captain! Give it to Give him! Give it to him! It to I will him. show you if you can. Kill him, Captain! Go on, <laughs> kill him! Get up, Todd! Get up! Go oh, on, Captain. Kick his bloody head in for him. Give him a good... Look out, Captain. Look out, he's got your ankle. Get up, you dirty little... There, have oh. you go
9: kick a man when
12: he's done, oh. Hey Now, hey, you running fool. Oh. You're breaking his leg. That's right, Ganson. No. Oh. Get up, Rock. On your feet, man. Are you through. I only pretend it. Come on. Get up on your
9: feet. I can't get up. <laughs> Kill us. Blow oh,
10: blimey, if you ain't broke his bloomin'
9: uh, leg. I oh. doubt it. I'm thinking it's only twisted. Ganson. He, yes, sir? Have the boys give him a hand to his room if he needs it. I'm going to my quarters and clean up a bit.
10: Uh, Roger, right, Mr. Todd.
9: And Captain Brock, you have no reason to be calling me a killer. I'm a peace-loving man, and I have no good opinion of such things as killing and fighting.
11: You tried to
10: do me in, Todd. You are going to pay for it, I'm going to kill you for it, maybe today or maybe next month, but I'm going to kill you. You can count on it.
9: I went to my quarters then, and I didn't know what happened just after that. I didn't know about Brock kicking Ganssen off the stairs while the little man was trying to help him, nor about Ganssen going to the captain's room a few minutes afterwards.
6: How are you
11: feeling, Captain? Oh, shut your mouth, Gansan, or I will shut it for you. You've got no call
10: to be treating me like that. I'd have helped you if I could, but there just will not no chance. He'd have done for me the same as you, Captain. Oh, shut up!
11: I cannot even move my leg. There was not no call to
10: kick me a while ago,
11: neither. If I could get out of this chair, I'd do the same again.
10: You can't get up, Captain Brock?
11: How could I hope?
9: Uh, What is in your mind, you little beggar?
10: You've been booting me around for nearly two years now, haven't you? He upped on me the first minute I landed. Like you got an habit of doing when a bloke is new.
11: And I will break your dirty little neck as soon as I can walk.
10: You've been treating me like a ruddy dog, Captain. And I've been taking it, too. Until now. Uh, uh, Oh, what are you up to?
9: Ganshan? Ganshan? I sat there in my room for a long time, holding the pistol I'd taken from a drawer of the desk. I couldn't see any way out of it. Sooner or later, at the first chance he could find, Brock was going to kill me. And aside from murdering the man in cold blood, I didn't see any way of preventing him. I couldn't leave the trading post and for certain I couldn't stay on my guard for 24 hours a day. I couldn't say how long it was I sat there holding the pistol in my hand and trying to think how I might keep from dying and not even knowing why the man hated me enough to wish to kill me. Then I heard somebody coming down the hall outside my door. I thought for a moment they might be going past, but then... Raised the gun and pointed it at the door. Ganson. Ganson. Man, what have you done to your hands?
10: Man? Oh, you ought to see him, Mr. Todd. You ought to come take a look at him. Oh, me if I ain't marked him up all right. <laughs> I marked him good. What are you saying, man? What have you done? <laughs> Him has always thought he was so much, just because he was bigger than me. Oh, I, I showed him all oh, right.
12: What <laughs> have you done?
10: Won't <laughs> oh, you come take a look for yourself, Mister Todd? Come and see what used to be so high and mighty, calling itself Captain Brock. Oh.
5: <laughs>
10: Take a look at him, Mister Todd. He ain't quite so tough now as he was before. <laughs> what have you done to him? Please,
5: please do not let him hit me. Please, <laughs> please do not let him hit me again.
10: <laughs> With my own two hands, I've done it, Mister Todd. I beat his face to a pulp. I did. Beat <laughs> no man while he's helpless.
9: Get as bad as he is, Gunson. Please do not let him hit me again, Mister Todd. He's <laughs> not going to hit you, Brock. Get to your own Gunton. Come on. Oh, all right, Mr. Todd. Anyway, I, I marked him. I, I marked his place up good, so it'll show for a long time. <laughs>
11: Don't let him hit me again.
9: Shut up, you great blood-run baby. Most like you live through it, all right. Though you may never look the same again.
2: Well, you've been having a bit of excitement. Oh, Mr. Simpson. I at the wharf ten minutes ago. The boys told me what had happened. I, uh... Good <laughs> Lord.
5: Good <laughs> Lord.
2: You
9: did all that? Oh, not to his face. Ganson has been settling up an old score. I'm afraid the little man has a vicious disposition. I never thought I'd see it. Brock, crying like a baby. Aye. And the sound of it fairly sickened me. Suppose we step outside and let him be.
11: Don't let, him, let me please go.
9: Mr. Simpson, I've found out why Captain Brock hated me the way he did. Why, he threatened to kill me.
2: Eh? Who do you think it is?
9: The man's a coward, that's all. You saw him in there just now. He knew he was a coward, and he was afraid I'd find it out.
2: Eh, you may be right.
9: There's no doubt of it. And I'm thinking you'll have him for a passenger when you go back downriver. You'll not be able to stay here now that we understand him. And
2: I'll see to it that Ganson goes along with him. Well, I I can't say that I'll mind the change. I mean, uh, doing business here from now on with a gent by the name of Jock Todd. Jock? Oh, no. You're taking
9: me all wrong. I'm a peace-loving man, and my name is John. It's no wise proper to call a man Jock unless he's a fighter. Now, you take my father, for instance. There's a man who can hold his own in any kind of company. But
5: I don't know.
0: Escape, produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Tonight brought you John Jock Todd by Robert Simpson. Adapted for radio by Les Crutchfield, featuring Wilms Herbert as John Todd, Jack Crucian as Captain Brock, and Tony Barrett as Ganson, with Don Diamond and Paul McVeigh. The musical score was conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Next week, we escape with H.G. Wells' awesome story, The Time Machine. Good night, then, until this same time next week When once again we offer you Escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
3: And that's Escape from May 2nd, 1948, with John Jock Todd, starring Wilms Herbert. Also in the cast, Jack Crucian, Tony Barrett, Don Diamond, and Paul McVeigh. That was sustained over CBS. Uh, Great episode. You know, Escape, for some reason, Lisa, it was terrific as it was. It couldn't attract a sponsor. It had a sponsor for maybe one year out of its eight-year run. It was just always sustained by the network. Not sure why. It was a terrific, terrific series, as you just heard. Um, but sometimes, uh, problems finding sponsors. Mysterious Traveler was the same way. Don't know why. Do you?
4: No, it's a mystery. Yeah, it's a mystery it? to you.
3: Right.
4: <laughs> it's a mysterious All right. mystery.
3: <laughs> Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360
0: more hollywood 360 after these important messages now back to the best in classic radio on hollywood 360
3: well lisa what are you doing next week around this time
4: um i think i'll be right here exactly where i'm sitting right now
3: you're gonna cook some uh, food for the kids though during the week i mean you should probably
4: just gonna work on the show again i've got a lot of preparation to do no no cooking Nah. Kids
3: don't get any food?
4: No, nope, just nah. Hollywood 360. They'll make
3: it a week without any food. They can make it. I'm
4: okay with that.
3: Uh, next week, Casey Crime, photographer, The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, X-1. Boston Blackie, Our Miss Brooks, and The Mysterious Traveler. Six classic radio shows right here next week on Hollywood 360. From my co-host Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Estella, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.
0: To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.